All right, welcome everybody. We've got another episode of Lifestyle Medicine here. Today we've got Jared Lash. So Jared, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. Um, so Jared runs Descending Dragon Health Center. Is that the full title? That's it, yep. So he, and Jared's based out of Tucson, Arizona, and he's got a background in traditional Chinese martial arts. Um, you do Twina and body work and all the Chinese medicine components as well, right? Not acupuncture. You're primarily Twina. Yeah, yeah primarily Twina. Really, yeah. And then yeah. um, also a background in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right, in recent years. Recent years, yeah. 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 More I've been a hobbyist, flirted with it more than anything. Yeah, fair enough. Certainly would not uh, claim to be a practitioner. <laughs> fair um, enough. Probably wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Jared, so give us a background. I mean, that's a basic intro, but kind of give us a background yeah. on on your martial arts history, when you started, how you got into it why you stayed and how it's kind of, sure. you know, fit the picture of your life so far. Okay. So I did some, um, just like standard commercial, uh, like uh, American style Kempo karate. And in, in, I think it was, uh, primary school and a little bit into middle school. And then, um, probably right around six, seventh, seventh grade in there somewhere right around when puberty starts, uh, it was like basketball and girls and, you know, and like, the, you know, martial arts basically took a back seat. Sure. And then um, right after high school, I graduated and I didn't, I wasn't going to college. I knew I needed to get a job and work and wanted to, you know, get on. And, and I started practicing. I just went to a, 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 like a Kung Fu Academy that was near my house and it was just really fortuitous. I got pretty lucky. And had a couple of really good, uh, good instructors. It was just kind of a, a generic kind of combined style. You know, they did um, the one of the two teachers, Dan, who I still have good contact with and a great relationship. He's easily one of the best influences I've ever had uh, in the martial world. Um, he's got a black belt in Shui Jiao, and and they did some. Uh, he and the other guy did some Walam Kung Fu and. Um, there was some chin on there and some, you know, it was, it was just a mix external martial art, but, yeah. uh, but it was great. It was really, really good stuff. It was functional and there was, you know, there was some performance stuff in there as well, but at 18 years old, it was great because it gave me a lot of direction for sure and focus. Uh, so, you know, my, my path changed a little bit and now I wanted to get a job, move out of my folks house, chase girls and practice martial arts. So at least I had <laughs> one relatively healthy, productive thing going on there. Right. Uh, and just again, pretty synchronistic. A few months later, <clears throat> I met uh, Vince Black. He was doing a weekend workshop at our uh, school. We did Shingy one day and Bagua one day. And at the time, he was probably my age. So I'm 43. He was probably right around there. I was 18. Mm -hmm. um, and he spent the two days bouncing off the, the instructors, um, bouncing them off the walls and everybody else in the room, of course, too. Um, and at the time, you know, he was... He kind of he he had quite a persona, you know. He he uh, physically was was somewhat intimidating, but also had like a, a bit of a belly. Yet physically, his capabilities were were pretty impressive. Very very athletic and very subtle. Um, so it was really cool to see somebody that was a bit older, who didn't appear to to train, you know, extremely hard, that had a high level of skill. And then the other really attractive piece was that he was a practitioner of Chinese medicine. And so both those two weekend nights, 
he would bounce everybody off the walls and then he'd pull out like this old school like black medical bag and pull out some needles and do a little work and bone set and stuff like that. So it was very romantic for an 18 year old, right? It's like, yeah, the, to say it's the like least. the Kung Fu movie thing where you got this guy <clears throat> who like, uh, kind of looks like a bad dude. He's like, got like a biker look and he's super tough. But at the same time here, he's just practicing this, this medicine and helping people out. So I was pretty, um, pretty in love right away with, with that path and, and yeah. how he was and what he was doing. So I stayed with him long, uh, long distance for the next few years. He came back out there a couple times, sent one of his top students a couple <clears> times. <throat> I started coming and traveling to their events. Uh, 97 was the first time I went to a, an event of his fitness association. I went to the, the sparring uh, weekend that they had that year. And then again the following year, and then he asked me to join. He was putting together an R&D group. Actually, I think it was already in functioning for for a few years okay and so he asked me to join them and that was in uh 99 no 98 sorry summer of 98 i joined i came out that starting that fall so that september i started coming to tucson and the plan for that um group was five five times a year come to tucson and train for a week at a time and then meet up at the annual conference so basically you get six weeks of intensive training wow. over the course of a calendar year with two months in between to continue to work on what you've been training right which i was it was it was really really cool right anytime you do anything intensively you get massive amounts of of uh, progress yeah in a short period of time right for sure it's like doing you know six months worth of classes in a week or something. I, yeah. I, I haven't actually quantified it, but it's a lot, maybe right. even more. Hence the name intensive, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I, you know, I started doing those and I was like, I knew I had already known because I'd known since the first time I met him that this is really what I wanted to do. And so then I talked to him in, in, uh, May of 99 at one of the visits. And I said, Hey, you know, I, I really, I'm going to graduate massage school coming up here and I want to do this full time. And he said, good, I think that's a good idea. Why don't you move out uh, in September? And I said, okay, I'll be here. And I did. I moved out that September and I came out to Tucson to uh, study with him and, you know, learn medicine and martial arts. And I thought I would move back to Boston in three to five years. And <laughs> here I am uh, 20 years later. So right. I love Tucson. Southern Arizona is my home. <clears throat> so, again, I studied with him until about four years ago. Um, and then I shifted direction a little bit, some other, uh, avenues of interest and, and that I've pursued. And, um, I work with Tim Cartmill now, who, you know, and yep. met him. Yep. And, um, he's been my coach and mentor since, uh, for about three, four years now. And so that's where, where I'm at. Beautiful. Well, let's, um, <clears throat> let's backtrack just a little bit for the, sure. for some of the terms that people that don't know who aren't, uh, you know, Chinese martial artists. So you mentioned, uh, I think Suizhou, um, Lo, what was it, Loham? Loham, what did you say was the, the other martial art? Uh, oh, Walam. Walam, okay. So that and then uh, China. So if you can just define those three for the people that don't know what those are because not everyone's going to yeah. know. Yeah, so Suizhou so, is Chinese fast wrestling. Um, it's, it's similar to judo except there's no sacrifice throws. Basically, they wear like uh, smaller versions of geese mm. um, where they're, they're narrow in the chest and they're short on the sleeve. Um, and they have belts that they use for throwing as well. Um, it's the I, I believe it is the oldest known documented martial art. Wow. Um, okay. It's actually, I, I believe it's it's without question the oldest of the Chinese. I think it's the oldest documented martial art. And there's a lot of um, things that I've read saying that sumo ended up coming from it and judo ended up coming from it and stuff like that. And it's oh. a very very functional, really cool Chinese martial art. And all of you know the internal styles that I, I've played with. 
Taiji, Xingyi, Bagua, they all have a lot of Shuaijiao infused in, into them. Yeah. Um, so it's very, very practical, really cool stuff, good training, and good, a quick, good art. Quick question on that. On the, do this, does it have, I mean, it sounds like it has throws and, and yeah. whatnot. Does it have the, what you would call the um, ground dexterity that what we see in jujitsu nowadays? Or is it, are no. there, so it's just, no. thro- it's primarily throws. Yeah, throws. Because they always had the, the the sporting side of it, it was first guy touches the ground loses, right? So if I trip you or throw oh. you or sweep you, you hit the ground, you lose. So even if you pull me down and do a reversal like a sacrifice throw like judo does, um, I don't know if that's a, that cancels the point or whatever. But it was always battlefield intended, right? So like if you're going to get thrown or tripped on the ground, you're going to get trampled or easily you're dispatched, done. right? You're done, yeah. yeah. You're done, yeah. yeah. Um, that being said, I think uh, that – the thing, one of the things, just as a sidebar, that I love about judo is that they did incorporate sacrifice throws, which are phenomenal, and they're they work as reversals for a lot of the bigger throws, and mm. they really allow smaller people to throw bigger people or sweep bigger people pretty easily. So it's really neat to see the the yeah. when you look at those judo and shuajiao and play with them a little bit and check it out. Yeah, beneficial for awesome. sure. Yeah, yeah, great, great stuff. Really, really good quality training. Um, so shuajiao is a yeah Chinese wrestling art, grappling art, throwing art. Um, and then Walam, I, I, I don't really know anymore. I, I think that it's basically a Shaolin type style. You know, the, I think some of the, a lot of the forms we were doing was from that and yeah. some of the, maybe some of the self-defense techniques. I can't really remember, mm-hmm. uh, to tell you the truth. And then, you know, they, there were some very basic Wing Chun trapping and bridging exercises and stuff like that. And a lot of that stuff was just part of the, the curriculum, but what was super valuable about, about training with Dan and the other uh, guy's name was Bert. He was the owner of the academy, but Dan was really my my primary guy to to worked with. Was um, he made us spar all the time? We sparred every week, all the time. He made us spar the first class I was ever there. Um, wow! <laughs> and it was great. And it was great. And it, you know, as soon as you bring that up, people are like, "Oh, what?" Because people have different ideas of what sparring is, right? For sure. Um, so I, I guess maybe there's a little clar- clarification needed there, but. Um, Sparring all the time right away. So so you get when you're doing that in, in any art, if you're doing it well, you're you're gonna get some um, functional skills pretty quickly. Absolutely. You know? So super grateful that I was just fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time to meet him yeah. and then you know continue onward in that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and because we had Vince had come to that school so quickly after I had started there. Dan immediately was was interested because he could tell that it was going to ramp up his pre-existing abilities and knowledge base. So he really started working, yeah, um, pretty intensely with that stuff. So I was just playing follow the leader and doing whatever he was doing, and he was able to incorporate some of that stuff pretty quickly into the curriculum and all that. So it it was good. Yeah, beautiful. And did we? So we did that. Did we do Chinna? The yeah, Chinna. So the, joint locking, seizing, yeah. seizing and locking. Right, right. Joint locking. Yeah. Stuff. So just again, very, very basics. Just getting, getting some general ideas of, yeah, um, you know, uh, escapes and break grabs, and you know, obviously some actual technique locks and stuff, and stuff like that. Which, um, you know, there's some, there's some benefit to doing that. Yeah. yeah. So well, this, this bridges me into the, the <clears throat> one of the reasons I wanted to interview you was we, we've talked about this a little bit when I've been to your workshop, in in years past as well. Um, so when we look at kind of the trend of the the martial, Chinese martial arts scene right now it's um mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of well look like what I call there's a lot of woo woo right like there's a lot of oh, uh, yeah. cheap rejection stuff there's a lot of 
<clears throat> there's a lot of crazy stuff that you see on YouTube and people will equate Chinese internal martial arts with that, which is the, the Jedi, you know, you're you yeah. know, emitting sure. chi, chi from the hand sure. and people sure. stumble over and they fall. And you've, I mean, definitely gone the opposite of that and have, have focused very yeah. much on the marsh, the actual real-time martial application. Um, I mean, Tung Shadao, which was the organization that you and I were a part of that, you know, we were, um, that was a big focus. And then I know with Tim Cartmel, as you said, he's really, I mean, he's, he teaches so structure-based and it's so, mm -hmm. there's some logistical, logistical mechanics that he puts into effect that are just impressive as all, because he's not that big, you know, he's like, not big. he's yeah. not big, but he's like, his yeah. structure's so sound that he can just yeah. dismantle a structure of someone else. Right. Because I was way bigger than he was and I thought, damn, he could. Yeah, me he, too. Yeah, right. yeah. And he, right. he really right. just takes it down. He does it well. So yeah. kind of give me your, your philosophy and your take on. Yeah, the, the status that we see kind of in the mainstream with Chinese internal martial arts, and yeah. then you know the relevance of uh, kind of the way Tim is training it and and sticking more huh. to that that martial essence. Kind of go, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Okay, so um, <laughs> you probably I'll become a, I'll become a, a not a fan of a lot of people really quick. <laughs> so I am without question uh, uh, what I would consider a black sheep in particular in the Chinese internal martial arts community, but certainly I would even put that into the broader Chinese martial arts community at large. Um, in that, just what you're talking about with what you see on YouTube, if you do a search, right, you're gonna see yeah. massive amounts of forms, uh, everybody wearing a costume, which is what I call the silk pajamas. It's a costume that serves no functionality other than it just, people think it looks cool, right? And maybe it does, but uh, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> um, lots of cheap projection, really awful two-person demos, lots of awful demos where you got a fall guy basically and, and somebody trying to make something look spectacular that is not spectacular at all. Yeah. Um, so really a lot of disheartening stuff for someone who, who uh, I mean, I truly love Xingyi and Bagua and, and um, I don't know that I can say that about Taiji. I think, think I do. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I, I don't have enough knowledge and ability in that art. Yeah. Um, but for someone who loves those things so much, I really have a lot of distaste for what I see as being practiced out there. And, and the term that I use actually is, is devolved. They're devolving to the point of death. They're, they're, I think that a lot of these arts are actually dying. And luckily there's some people out there, handfuls of people that are still doing them um, in what I think is optimal. Of course, this is all just based on, on my opinion and what I see as valuable and what I want, you know, based on my goals and my desires. Sure. Um, so I think a lot of what's out there is really nonsensical and unfortunate um, because there's no way these things would be around for as long as they have if they didn't have some value. But people have to, you know, think outside the box and, and be able to go with the times and look at these things and say, what what is it about these things that are valuable? How do we maintain that? How do we proliferate that? Yeah. Um, and how do we streamline it? And somebody like Tim Cartmel, to me, um, I mean, I got introduced to him a, a long time ago on paper um, in, in reading the Bagua Journal when I was out, like in the 80s and 90s. And I think at like 95, I bought the whole set. There's only like 40 or so, I think, yeah, actual, that's actual right. yeah, yeah. publications. Yep. And I read them and reread them and reread them because there wasn't that much available in print. And yeah. uh, uh, there's no internet, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember reading Tim's bio and background and stuff, and it was kind of similar to Vince's. And, and then I got his uh, Effortless Combat Throws book, 
which to this day I still think is the best single martial arts book that has been written for, for modern times and for the greater scale. Like one of the challenges I take is that I meet people who've done different martial arts and I let them borrow that book and I'm like, here, read this book and tell me what you think. And almost always people borrow it and they bring it back and like uh, recently I had an Aikido guy read it and he was like, oh yeah, you wrote about Aikido. This is all about Aikido. And I've had like almost everybody that studies every art, they read that book and they're like, yeah, this, he's talking about you know the right way to do the martial art that I practice, which I think is really pretty cool that he uh, at a younger age had enough understanding to be able to put into type something that was going to be universal, universally applicable across many different martial arts yeah. as far as body usage stuff and things like that. In fact, the, the greatest thing about that book to me is that I annually read the stuff in the beginning on body usage and the, and the thesis is that in the back and I hardly ever read the actual stuff on throws. I just wow. stick to those that opening stuff and the, and the ending stuff because I think it's just pure gold for, for martial functionality and understanding. Um, Really, really good stuff there. Wow, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. Well, and give people give people a little bit of framework to to Tim. Um, you know who he is, like kind of what he's doing because he's yeah. he's a guy that I mean I've seen. He started in the traditional kind of Chinese martial arts. Yeah, Kung then, Fu Sansu, which is the yeah. like the art that he did, which I think was you know similar <clears> to <throat> a lot of the Chinese martial arts that were being practiced right. at the time, external martial arts. But he started really young, you know. He's, yeah. he's been he's a lifelong martial artist. All he's done, he's professional yeah. martial artist. That's it. And he speaks um, fluent Chinese, correct? Yeah, he speaks, yeah. reads it, writes it. He's married to a Taiwanese woman, so he speaks as much Mandarin probably as he does English still to this day. So he wow. he started with Kung Fu Sansu, graduated college, moved to Taiwan and mainland China, lived there for about 11, 12 years. That was the like early mid eighties through early mid nineties. Um, was a Sanda champion there, studied Tong Shidao, he studied with Xuanji a little bit before he passed away, a little bit less than a year, and then with Luo Dezhu, who is also a very popular Xingyi uh, Bagua guy that teaches worldwide still. And and uh, so won some, some fighting tournaments, um, studied with pretty much every guy he could come across, which is, you can imagine when you're living there and you're learning to speak the language, and he, he studied with, a, if you look at his, the, the, the list of people he studied with, folks he studied with, it's quite extensive. Yeah, I believe um, it. Yeah, and then he came back and he started studying BJJ, and he used to, at the time, this is like 93 or something, he would drive from LA to San Diego to study BJJ, like two hours each way, just to, to like once a week until finally, I think he got academies closer and whatnot. And so he's been doing that full time since uh, the early '90s. Yeah, and he's still so he's he's getting close to sixty. He's mid to late fifties, and he still teaches, practices, trains every single day. So his the people that I know that have known him for a lot longer than I have, every time that they see him, like the guys from New Mexico, what's up, Ross and Doc? If you guys see this, uh, <laughs> they'll pull me aside and be like, "He's getting better. He's still getting better. Yeah, he's still getting better in his application and how he teaches and." And to me, that's super inspiring and motivating. And you know, you want to be around people that are that are continuing to 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 lift themselves up in the arenas that you're interested in, right? So, yeah, uh, it's highly motivating to be around, and also just incredibly mellow and calm, um, which is not a very common thing in the martial arts world. Whether it's traditional martial arts or combat sports, there's there's a lot of we're weird, man. We're a freaking strange group of people right <laughs> yeah for uh, sure so so to be so calm and also so capable um yeah one of the many things that blows me away about him is his the ability to have a weekend workshop with him where 
commonly, I'm one, I'm much bigger than he is, right? I'm like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, over mm -hmm. 200 pounds, and he's probably 5'11", and 150 to 160, so his weight fluctuation. Yeah, that's um, all right. Significantly bigger. Mm -hmm. To be so easily taken care of by him, but also one of the unique abilities he has is like, you know, we've had weekend workshops with him where I probably get thrown down, I don't know, 100 times or so, or, or knocked down or tripped i've never once in my i don't know eight or nine or maybe it's not that many yet maybe it's six or eight um times working with him i've never been hurt once so he's got such an unbelievable level of control that he's able to demo or or you know do techniques on your thing and also just be in complete control and then and, and there's no there's no there's there's like not very much risk comparatively to other situations I have. It's a very impressive level of, of skill. Um, and also I just, uh, you know, I feel really fortunate in that when I was looking for a transition five years ago or so, or maybe it was even longer and I wasn't quite aware of it yet, he'd always been like in the back of my mind. I had never met him, but I had always thoroughly enjoyed his writings and what I'd seen online and um, just, just seemed like a very open-hearted, open-minded guy and uh, at the time I was I was very bittered with uh, internal martial arts I did I realize it now you know and Chinese martial arts I was just I was bittered and bored yep. and I thought I was like you know there's there's things I want out of this and I was starting to realize what those were and what I didn't want to be doing and I was like I, I need to look elsewhere and I think Tim might be the answer and um, I, I think truthfully at that time I was probably almost ready to just stop doing internal martial arts other than the fact that I knew I had to teach for a few years because I had a lease on a building and I had existing classes and all that stuff. Right. Uh, and I had started uh, working with uh, another guy t doing boxing and grappling and some Muay Thai and stuff. We've, we've got a coach here for that too um, who's excellent and I really enjoyed that that training. I, I, I really appreciate it and, and uh, like doing that as well. And so I was starting to think, you know, this stuff is good. It's, it's, it's a lot more functional, faster, and I've been doing that other stuff for a long time. Maybe it's just time for, for a real shift. And, but I'm going to check Tim out because I think Tim might be able to fill in the gaps I'm looking for. And luckily, yeah. I, I was correct. And, and he's done that and, and more. So he's reignited the fuse for me, which is really, really nice. Um, because Shane is absolutely my first love. And, and I would like to get to the point with that art where I feel uh, – uh, like I'm a completed product, which I, I did not feel. Yeah, um, and I still don't feel that way. But I feel like I'm <clears> now I'm, I'm on the line to get to where I feel like it's it's uh, yeah an art that I that I that I understand and can and have knowledge and and ability in, in a, on a matching uh, plane because there's the, yeah the, the, no and to be more complete right to just <clears throat> that yeah. that to be truly complete and what more complete in what you're doing and just as a you know aside to support what you're saying i mean when you watch tim move and when he when he does when he executes what he does with his physical body at his age i mean it's astounding he moves better than the majority of the young people in the class absolutely his mechanics right. are so sound right he's fit right. i mean he's got amazing genetics mind you and he's naturally talented yeah, but he, sure. he but you can sure. tell he is just spent he works so tremendously much. hard too. oh yeah. my god yeah he's like yeah. he's that amazing blend of uh discipline talent that you just don't see that often, you know, natural talent that he has just honed and honed and honed. And like you said, you know, when, um, recently 
for the people listening, you know, I went to, when was the last workshop? The one that we did uh, at your place in Tucson, that was November. November. So I, I took yeah. my, I took my folks, I took my, my mom and my stepdad, Bob, and we, we go there. They have no background in Shingy whatsoever. And we go there and it's a Shingy animals workshop. And I remember they were so intimidated. And by the time they left, they're like, God, what a nice guy. And he's such a wizard at what he does. And he's able to, he's willing to talk to, to us minions. You know, that's kind of the right. way my mom right. said, you know, and I thought that's so accurate cause he's, and he's so good at that. It was amazing. Um, yeah. So Jared with this, you know, with the integration of the, of kind of what you've seen with the evolution of the martial arts, you know, studying with Tim, continuing your knowledge and moving forward. Talk to me about how you are disseminating and teaching the arts now, because when I talked to you um, the last time I was in Tucson, you had said you were doing kind of those intensives, um, you know, or, or you're like doing like blocks of time with students. And, yeah, like and modules. Yeah. Modules, right. So, and that's yeah. not necessarily typical because a lot in the martial arts world, we'll see that um, people, you know, it's a consistent year round thing. People are pushing and yeah. pushing and pushing. Um, and that's, you know, good and bad, depending on the, given the American rhythms, you know, people like can't stick with things consistently. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about, yeah, how you're breaking this information down and how you're, yeah, how you're moving forward with it. Sure, sure. So um, right now all I teach is Shingy. It's twice a week, two, two hour and a half classes. And I teach an hour long Qigong class on Saturday mornings. Um, so the, the, like you said, I, I used to just have ongoing weekly classes. I mean, at one time I had, I was teaching five morning classes a week and Shingy, two, two, two hour Shingy classes, two Shingy, two, two hour Bagua classes a week, a lot of teaching. Um, it was a lot. And, uh, you know, my son was a lot younger, so it's different now, you know, my, my life is different and, and where I want to spend my time and all that. But anyway, um, I'd had a conversation with Tim about going forward and teaching and like, you know, ways to do it. And he kind of planted the seed a little bit because he's like, you know, with arts like jujitsu, for example, people have belts they're going for, they have competitions. So there's, there's all these little steps that, that keep them goal oriented, right? Which is what we, we all are essentially one way or the other. So there's always a little carrot keeping them motivated to be going to class on a weekly basis and all that sorts of stuff. And, um, what I've found in about 25 years now of, of doing this stuff is that you've got about a two or three year window with somebody that wants to do this. People usually get into martial arts and then they, they get into it pretty heavy. They, they, they get excited about it and then life happens, you know, either they get injured or they move or they get married or, you know, they, whatever the case may be. So you yeah. don't really have, you're not going to get a lot of lifelong practitioners, you know? Um, and I was getting burnt out. You know, I was, I was also realizing I just, for being in business since 2008, I literally last year started learning how to run a business and hired a consultant. Like the yep. business side of it, marketing, salesmanship, all of that is right. completely. Yep. I'm totally ignorant in all of those 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 worlds. So I've just started learning. A lot of and, us are, uh, man. A lot of us are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're not, sure. you're not better alone. Better late than never, right? <laughs> you're not so, alone. In in combining a uh, a bunch of discussions with Tim about how he thought good ways to teach this stuff in modern times is. And in realizing, basically, it sounds weird to, to verbalize it, but I basically realized, okay, this is what I'm, what I need to to be making per hour when I'm teaching class for me to actually teach class. Otherwise, I'm not going to teach class, because as you know, you you spend a lot of time teaching class where you're paying to teach class, especially if you've got a brick and mortar where you're renting, right? Mm-hmm. So I can do better just having more clinical hours, <clears throat> not spending money to to teach 
people. So I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm worth more than that. My, my knowledge and ability base is better than that. So this is, I need to make X. So then I said, okay, we're going to do a three month class. It's X amount of dollars. There's two classes a week. I need this amount of people. And let me see who signs up. And I had enough people sign up. So that's what I'm doing. That's what we're in the midst of right now. So it's the very first time I've done it in this way. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely happy with it so far um, in that you basically I can start and say, okay, we're going to try to do basically the, the Nagong exercises, uh, learn Santi Shur and the five elements. Um, so the everyone has the individual forms and then they have some techniques and some martial functioning and ability from said exercises and movements. Um, and so I think we're, we're getting to be, I think this might be week six, maybe we're about halfway through and it's has slowed a bit, uh, from my target goals. Basically I had everything mapped out in the beginning and, and we're a little bit behind, but I think it's actually going to work out just fine. Uh, cause the first fist tends to take more time. There's a lot more, uh, um, I guess diversity in it in how it can be used and stuff. So, and you know, everybody talks about P trend, P trend, P trend. So yeah, we're spending a little more time on that. But so far, I love it. I'm really excited. And the goal is to do three modules a year, right? So you do the uh, the exercises, standing, and the five elements in module one. First six animals in module two, so you get two weeks per animal. Other six animals in module three. Beautiful. And I'll see how it goes. But I love the concept. In fact, I'm going to switch my qigong class to the same way. Yeah. Where I'll do eight to twelve week courses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll need a certain amount of people to sign up and they'll sign up and everybody pays everything up front and then I'm there. Um, I've been adding what I'll do for my Qigong class as well as I add a video reference each week so that people can look at it and they can have something that it's it's private. It's not like in a big public channel or anything. You've seen them. Right. Um, so people have a reference of what we're working on and, and they can go back to that and all that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this new format. I think it, it works well for, you know, 2019 the way we are with yeah. you know, looking at you know we're, we're kind of past the sign a never-ending contract and, and see how this goes you know it's yeah similar but yeah no and what's interesting about this and i think what's what's really good about it and tell me if this is true since you're, you're doing it now but it seems like with the intensive format when you have you know intensively studying material it also it seem it would seem like it would put the training into the hands of the students in a way that's different when it's year round training, because it mm-hmm. seems like, I mean, I know this from having trained in martial arts schools where this you know it's year round. People often because they're going five days a week, they're getting training in, but it's not the same thing as training by your by yourself, right? There's still a group context. You're still yeah, and you're getting training in, but there is something different about getting material, you know, going home and chewing mm-hmm. on it in an isolated fashion right. by yourself. So what's kind of nice about what your method, I mean, is that, have you seen that, that people, do they, I don't want to say they train more, but are they, does it seem like that's happening where people get this intensive material and then are kind of chewing on it because they've had an intensive? Is that, is that what mm. you've seen or is that, is that an idea? It's hard ideal? to say yet. It's hard yeah. to say yet. Yeah. Because it, it, one thing for sure is that you're, you've got different levels of investment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like for the, these type of martial arts, I like to break it down in about three different levels. You've got, you know, your your hobbyist who's just there. They need physical activity. Right. They like the, you know, the, it's got a culture, it's got a history, it's interesting. You know, it's different than just going to the Gold's Gym and you know jumping sure. on the machines and whatnot. Sure, it's just different in that way. So it's exercise basically. Mm-hmm. And then there's the enthusiast, um, which are the most annoying of all students <laughs> in the internal martial arts. So the the, the 
the enthusiast in my mind's eye are the people who work as hard as the hobbyist, which is not very hard. They basically practice when they're in class and they yeah. don't really practice outside of class, but they spend a lot of time outside of class reading and watching videos and learning the history and the lineage and they can talk ad nauseum theoretically but they don't do the actual work right yeah and then you got people actually who become martial arts that like it gets it's in your blood like you're you become addicted or obsessed about it and and you actually yeah. spend a large a large amount of time practicing right? yeah and, and it's something that you're making yourself do it's that you do it because it makes everything else in your life improved right it's it's it, it can be a coping mechanism it can be a you know a, an actual you know um a variety of things for people you know but it's it, it, it's definitely different for 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 people so that being said um it remains to be seen because yeah you're gonna have hobbyists in this too there's definitely some guys i see that come to class that i'm like okay these guys are practicing for sure and there's other people that they're just busy right now and they're they want they don't want to miss class and then you know but life happens you know so yeah it does from truthfully from the from my perspective it's just not as frustrating it's not frustrating at all i should say and it's not um and i can't think of a better word but um just in the in the realm of in the past having a constant class showing up at class watching the same people make the same errors watching people come to class and not practice outside of class and knowing that you're spending money out of your own pocket to teach said class yeah. over long periods of time, it's a really bad idea. It's not healthy. It's not, there's no Chinese secret wisdom in it. <laughs> yeah, right. it's, it's just bad business, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it is it's bad for you and it's bad for, it's not, it's not good. So well, and it's knowing not, that you're doing these courses and you're paid in advance yeah. as the instructor, you're more invested. I am more. I am more invested. Maybe that wouldn't work for everybody, but, but no, um, I think it's I, no. I think it's great. I mean, I think it's really good because people. I think no. I think the points are completely valid for a number of different reasons. But I mean, I think that's it's pretty consistent. I mean, it's that seems like a pretty solid way to approach it because people. I mean, I know a lot of people um, in your boat who are teaching some kind of martial arts or they're teaching a health practice, they're teaching Qigong, they're teaching something, right? But mm. this, what you're talking about, I mean, it's it's not sustainable. It, and in a sense, it kind of lacks self-care from the practitioner's standpoint because, like you said, mm. right, it starts to deplete you. You start mm. to get wiped out. You're not really in a place where you've got a surplus to be to be teaching. I mean, it requires a lot to teach. You know, there's a lot of material. There's a yeah. lot of, you know, you have to put a right. lot of yourself out there it's very different being a teacher and a student. Oh yeah, yeah very very, di very different roles. <clears throat> completely different. Yeah. So what do you um, when you let's talk about this because I'm I'm curious and, and if you want to interject some of Tim's thoughts because I'm sure you've probably picked his brain on this. So when we talk about right, this was um, this is a topic that comes up right. Um, we're teaching internal martial arts right. I'm teaching Tai Chi and you know you're you're doing Xing Yi and people are different practitioners are doing different things. The notion of qi comes up, right? It's a part of Chinese culture, qi, right? And we talked about that early in, earlier, you know, a few minutes ago, how people get really hung up on that word, right? You see, and then you, yeah. see, you see all the bastardization of, of, of that taking lots of different forms through parlor tricks and whatnot. So in the context of, you know, Chinese martial arts, when you, I guess, how do you conceptualize qi? Um, how does it, in the real-time world and functionality in you know, relative to Chinese martial arts, how do you conceptualize it? How does Tim conceptualize it? If you've asked him, and how do we, how do you make the concept like relevant, applicable, 
and not full of shit, basically, you know, in terms of studying this stuff. Like, how, how do you, yeah, how do you approach it? How do you talk about it? Oh, this is going to be a, such a quick, easy answer. I don't <laughs> ever, ever. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair it's enough. not true. You know, it probably come, the word probably comes up uh, at times if I'm, if I'm uh, telling people what the classical name for an exercise or something is. Yeah. Like Unite the Original Chi and the Nagong Set, which is really just pushing is what Tim calls it. Yeah. I'm not going to speak for Tim at all on this topic. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but I'll, I'll say this objectively. Before I knew him, there were like I would read his stuff and talk to to people that I was close with in that in the internal arts community. I'd be like, "Hey, did you check this out yet, man? This is really good." And I remember people saying to me, "I don't like that guy. He doesn't believe in chi." And I'd be like, "Are you sure? Because I've read his stuff super thoroughly, and I've never read anywhere where he says yeah. I don't believe in chi, you right. know, or anything even like that. Maybe could be interpreted that way." So yeah. I always wondered, like, where are they getting that from? He just doesn't talk about it like that, you know. And he talks about it a bit in the, I think in the, maybe that book, uh, the the circle, the line and the craw, the line and the circle or whatever that the compilation from the Asian martial arts thing. It's a really, it's, I don't it think is I'm, part of that. I'm not, from, I'm not familiar good. with that. Yeah, the line and the circle or something like that. It's about Shingy and Bagua guys. Okay, he's he's part of that book. Um, but anyway, I've never heard him say that. So anyway, I'll leave him out of it. <laughs> I don't talk about it at all. Yeah. I don't talk about it any more than I talk about your, you know, your blood circulation and its function in martial arts. Um, I try to keep it much more accessible and and uh, easily understandable, and as with the least amount of esoteric thought possible. Yeah. Um, part of that is my strong aversion to that because it's so overly done in the Chinese internal martial arts community yeah. as it stands. So uh, I guess I try to be like somewhat of a counterbalance by not talking about it at all. Right. But yeah, uh, you know, you're better off learning about the nervous system and, uh, you know, muscle fiber twitches. And if you're really interested in martial arts, then you are focusing on the concept of chi. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a fun concept. You know, there's lots of yeah. very interesting, things that you could read about and think about but it's certainly not going to help up your fighting skill in any way shape or form right it's not yeah it's there's a there's a a quote that uh i had never heard him say it but i love that i saw somebody one guy that had worked with tim put it on social media that something about you know thinking about chinese philosophy is like uh, reading Nostradamus to try to figure out how to get out of a headlock, you know, something, something <laughs> yeah, wrong. Right. It's like, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a, pretty accurate. Right. 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 Well, I would say, right. so I, yeah, I don't, I don't talk about you. I don't talk about G in my Twina clinic unless there's someone that, that I can see obviously that that's how they connect to the medicine and right. their, their thought patterns and, and their, what they're, what they're thinking about internally is energetically based. And I'll discuss that with them. But otherwise I'd, I never talk about that concept of chi. Yeah. Well, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Because I mean, I'm asking you because, um, you know, when I, I had my Tai Chi class for two years before I mentioned the word chi outside of saying the word Tai Chi, right? I would say Tai yeah, Chi, yeah. but I didn't talk about it for the same reasons. And, um, you know, invariably after about the two year mark, people started to ask me, they're like, so what's the deal with chi? You know, because some people would have, um, and I, I think it's funny nowadays, you know, I think the, the human body is so turned off and it's so, um, 
I don't know, it's non-active, right? We're so sedentary that people, yeah, yeah. our bodies are not real intelligent. They're not real smart anymore. And then you start having people move in a relaxed fashion. You ask them to breathe deeply. And then yeah. things happen, like people's hands get really hot at some point yeah. in class. Or they're, I've had you know students where like their feet sweat and their hands don't or vice versa. Or they'll have like, so what's the deal with, with, with chi? And I'm like, look, you know, like you said, I'm like oxygen, blood flow, these things you could equate like the the smooth movement of these things you could equate to chi to good you know mm-hmm. like good good chi flow is good health good circulation good oxygen but mm-hmm. it's a it is a difficult thing to talk about because people will ask um and i think that is it's a weird thing i've come across people want to study these arts because they have this sort of this fa- absolutely the fantasy right and so there's this yeah. piece of me where i'm like okay so here's this person who's like got the mystical esoteric idea of chi and they yep. really do their hearts in the right place. They really want to learn, but you're like, wow. So how do you weigh this? You're like, yes, I want to get them in because the arts need to be passed on and it's good for people. And how do I not, you know, indulge, <laughs> you know, the, the excess of the mysticism that comes up with chi? Because I think that's, I mean, I've hit it a lot. People really, it's a difficult thing to navigate um, when people are coming and they want answers around this thing. You know, they want, yeah. well, tell me what chi is and, and how does it work and how does it, you know, how does it process in the body? I recently, like as of two weeks ago, I went and studied with this uh, Tai Chi master. He's 86. His name is uh, Stephen Hua. He's out of Florida. It's a Wu style, mm-hmm. small framed, um, and he's got a lot of these internal mechanics where he has your abdomen um, move with the with with the arm movement. Very rudimentary kind of muscular movements that integrate arm into the core. And I asked him that same question. I said, "So, do you talk about chi?" And he's like, "No, like rarely. Rarely do I talk about it." And I said, "Why not?" And he kind of brought up the same issue. He said, well, he's like, look, if your body mechanics, if your structure, right, your joints stack appropriately and your angles are are right, he's like, the body elicits a certain amount of natural force. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, so he's like, if your mechanics are there, that means, you know, bones are lined up, uh, circulation is a little improved. He's like, those things, quote unquote, will guide you to good chi or good circulation or good oxygen. So he was mm-hmm. saying, you know, like good structure kind of puts you into the place where you can experience something on the inside of your body. He's like, but it's not the end all and be all of the practice. He's like, right. Just because you become sensitive and aware to, uh, to your body. He was saying, he's like, that's, that's important, but it's, he's like, people get lost in that, right? Their their systems turn back on. They become more sensitive. They become aware of feeling things in their body. And then it's immediately, Oh, it's mystical because I haven't felt it. And what he was saying, he's like, no, it's not mystical. It's actually just natural. You know, to to, right. to be sensitive, to be sensitive is to be alive. But I think it's just a it's a tricky thing to navigate. I mean, I, I ask people, other martial artists who are teaching this stuff, I'm like, how do you navigate it? Because it's not the easiest thing to to bridge that simple baseline of, you know, how do you make it accessible, but mm. but not not overly mystified. You know, it's something I've struggled yeah. with. You could probably have ten of these two hour conversations with ten different people because you've got a very diverse group of people that you. talk with and communicate with and socialize with in this community you could take 10 10 of us and have 10 two-hour conversations and i bet you'd have 20 hours of diverse conversation on the topic absolutely i mean as i say that it brings up the first thing what the fuck is the point you know (laughs) are we going to talk about something for 20 hours if none of us can come up with anything definitive or that help that much more helpful right solidified right um but you know, it is a very interesting topic in that, let's just look at it from this angle, right? The term and the way that it's used now is very, very young. 
Mm-hmm. Like Qigong is from 1950. It was never called Qigong before that. It was the no. Cultural Revolution that changed it to Qigong. It was Neigong. Everything was Neigong before right. that. And then they said, now we're right. going to start calling it Qigong, right? So then as these things started moving to the West, you know, as people started training there in the in the late 50s and into the, the 60s and 70s, and then bring it back here, another angle is it's an awesome selling point. If I... <laughs> yeah, totally. If I... I, I, I mean, one of the, you know, I talk about my classes in the way I have now. I could have five times as many students if I did cheesy marketing. Oh, and yeah. I'd have, oh, and, yeah. and here's the reality. This is the, this is the part that's not so funny, is that what I'd have basically is a mental health group. You'd have a lot of people who are very uh, ungrounded and probably need some psych work, truthfully, that they, they need to go get worked on. They need some therapy. They, they possibly need medication. It draws a lot of people that are in that realm. And I'm not talking about people that are non-functional or anything because I think, truthfully, I think just about every human, I'm not convinced yet, but probably every single one, I bet my money on every single one, we're not right in the head anymore because of the way that we live, right? We're, we add more chaos because of, of the way that we function now and the ways that we don't function. Yep. So we're all a little bit off. Um, and it's easy to get a lot off. And and w- when you have arts and pra- physical practice and stuff that use esoteric and philosophical uh, and energetic things as components or a selling point, you're going to draw a lot more of that crowd. And that is definitely not my personal interest. So that's that's one of the yeah. biggest reasons why I just, just don't go there. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 to me, it's it's a it's kind of a pointless thing for the purpose of what I'm trying to do with martial arts, right? Absolutely. The, the, like the the when people say like, okay, what? Why do you love Shingy necessarily over boxing, right? Because truthfully, you're going to get better fight skill faster doing proper boxing, yeah, way faster, and you're yes. going to have way more functional fighting skill. Yep. So what, one of the things, I, I had to analyze this, you know, and one of the things that I've always loved about it and I still love about it is that it's so neat in the way that they have these these old exercises that then start teaching, that they're actually pretty new because they didn't, 150 years ago, they didn't need to do fundamental exercises. If you're a farmer, you're <laughs> right. strong as an ox anyway, right? So right. you need right. to learn how to stand so you can align your body right and then you learn the movement patterns and then you can start. Yeah start putting into practice but now we need more physical work we're tight we're weak right so they have these things that you know first you start learning that the basic exercises start holding your body right and then you 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 progress and and move your way through well that those the the personal training aspects of that that you do by yourself they they kind of they can get really really rich it can be a really neat thing yeah. Um, invest in long term. And, you know, I don't really see that. I, d- I don't get the same sort of thing or I, I couldn't see myself in 30 years doing a whole lot of bag work and shadow boxing from a boxing, pure boxing perspective. Yeah. It doesn't interest me in the, in the same sort of way, you yeah. know, so it just calls to me more in that way. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, not at all. No, I'm just, it, you've got me, as you're saying this, and it's got me thinking um, sort of like why I like the arts. And it, and it is varied, right? How we, how, what calls to us about it. Um, yeah. Have you seen that, have you seen that 
analogy and there's a diagram like when i was in chinese medicine school they had um so they talk about the three treasures right jing qi and shen yeah and they talk about right the it's a like a pyramid scheme right the bottom heaviest layer is the jing right the next layer Mm -hmm. up the smaller layer is qi and then the top of it is like shen right is like the consciousness right Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i had a couple like martial artists and uh we had a qigong master who was in his 80s stay at our house in santa cruz years back and he didn't speak english but my uh, my housemate kai did and he translated and what he was saying he's like look the bottom of the pyramid is jing right the material practice that means like the flesh the bones the tendons He's like, you're supposed to spend the majority of your time for many, many years of your life building that. And he's like, and when that gets really sound, he's like, if you're lucky, you might get into this next bracket where things become a mm. little a little mysterious because mm-hmm. the, the, the body is structurally sound in a way where mm-hmm. everything is running on its on autopilot, you know, and then you've got mm-hmm. this next layer. He's like, and then if you're really lucky, you might yeah. get up there. And he's like, not everyone's supposed to even go past the first layer. He's yeah. like, most people, most good martial artists spend the time in that bottom bracket. He's like, and their whole life is amazing because their health is improved. They're strong. He's like, there's a baseline there. And I always like that analogy that like, you don't have to progress all the way up. And what you said about people being a little disturbed that are, that are wanting that top tier of the pyramid. They're like, I want the spirit or I want the, you know, right. the, the, the third eye open. I mean, that was a, that was a thing that guy dealt with when he was treating people at our house. Cause we were doing, he taught Bagua. He did a bunch of Chinos stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Really good Bagua. He would have people come in. There were people coming in and practice and uh, getting body work, you know, and he would do his, his Twina and do his stuff. And he would come to us just totally flustered at the end of the day. And he's like, there's, he's like, there's these young kids asking me to open up their third eye. And he's like, first of all, they don't even know what that means. And two, he's like, that's stupid because there's no grounding in the physical body, right? He's like, there's, mm-hmm. there's no, he's like, if you want to get, you know, higher consciousness in the context of these arts, he's like, you have to build a very real material structure for a very, very long time before you even have the opportunity to go up. Yeah. And I always thought that was uh, that was relevant because I think that's a, that's a piece that's skipped, you know, like you said, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a culture of people, they read these esoteric books and then they just want, they don't want to do anything with their body. It's just all mm-hmm. up in the head yeah, or, or it's it's projected kind of externally and out, and it becomes this ungrounded thing. And that was a we talked about this in acupuncture school. People would come in what they call with, with they call it chi sickness, right? People that yeah, are like, right. they've been right. practicing some kind of internal meditation. They usually their bodies are not grounded. Their you know their eyes are just kind of wafty, and they right. it doesn't really serve anything, you know. Or people or people right. will practice it that way and come in saying. I did these exercises and I don't feel good. You know, if something mm-hmm. feels different or off, how much um, have you had experience with that? Like in clinic, because you're doing Twina, right? You're doing body work. You're touching yeah. bodies. Right. Have you right. had people that have come in studying what I would call, you know, quote unquote, esoteric, you know, Chinese medicine from some textbook they got and they come in and they don't feel well? Have you seen that? And if so, like, how do you? Yeah, do you do you address that through training? Do you address that just through the body work, or if, what's that what's that been like? I don't know. I don't think that clinically I've had anybody off the top of my head that I can remember come in um, that I think had worse than air condition based off of like a qigong practice. Mm-hmm. I definitely have seen people uh, with mental health issues practice qigong and get worse and think that they're getting better if that makes sense wow like 
start experiencing things, experiencing things. I don't know what that is for them or what yeah. those feelings or thoughts or, or whatever they think they're feeling and then really go with it and let have it take them off. And, and I remember uh, actually pretty early on um, Vince talking one time about Qigong making people sick if they're not doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And I definitely saw that happen a couple times. Saw people that, that yep. I don't think were very well to start out with. And, you know, really took, maybe they had some sort of unique experience or something that was different than what they would normally experience in a physical practice. And then because they, they didn't have somebody that were able to bring it down and be like, look, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about that. Just focus on your breath and your posture and opening your joints and gently stretching the soft tissue and, 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 and moving your body well for your, for the sake of your, your health and not worrying about the rest of it. But if you feed that beast a little bit and, and they think it's something greater than that, then people can really go with it. And I've seen that happen. And that's, um, that's not good. That's not, that's the exact opposite, right? right. You're, you're, you're trying, you're trying to improve your health in some fashion. Um, but I got to say what's sticking in my head. I got to backtrack. We got to backtrack a little bit. Sure. So, um, what were you just talking about when you started that, that little thread there, uh, you had mentioned, uh. I mentioned the Qigong master, the, the, right. the brackets, right? The lower pyramid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. Th- that. So uh, no disrespect to this person whatsoever. Never no, met no. him. But I, as soon as the word like you, maybe you'll get something mysterious, I would want to know, well, what do you mean by mysterious? Oh, we asked Because my bullshit flag goes up right away. Like, totally. As soon as you say mysterious, I'm like, well, what's what's that mean exactly? Because totally. now, now you, it's like, let me see what I can catch, you know? For sure. Um, because one of the things that I – Again, I'm, I'm, I think, in a smaller boat about is the the whole. Uh, it's a physical practice. It's a it, you know the physical, the mental, and the spiritual thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, at this point, where in looking back at all of it, I think that really it's just a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> Fair enough, right? man. There's, You're entitled there, to, to me, the opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I want to see how how people can take something that teaches you how to rip another human being apart and tell me how it's a spiritual practice. Yeah. Right. And so here's my answer to that question that I'll yeah. frame for myself. Yeah. I think what happens is, you know, some guys, I got a neighbor across the street. He spends all his time wrenching on his car. Mm-hmm. That That's probably his Zen. He probably his feels thing, yeah. the most connected to whatever it is that makes us, gives us that sensation where yeah. I open the hood of my car and I want to see an on off switch and I don't want to get dirt under my nails. It's not my thing at all. Same, right. I'm like, this is, this, is a, this is a tool. I'm not, it's not my thing. Right. Yeah. A to B. <laughs> um, so I think that, you, you know, people I get what I realize now in my pursuit of martial arts is that what it, what it does for me that is very beneficial is that it really turns down the volume on my anxiety and my irritability and my unnecessary fears. Yeah. And the frequency of my practice and the quality of my practice gives me a longer duration of how low the volume is on that stuff. Yep. Um, so it makes me a better uh, husband. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better manual therapy practitioner. It makes me a better martial arts. It just makes me a better human all the way around, right? Yeah. And so it, it took me a very long time to recognize that. It's only been in the last few years that I recognize, like, what what is the point of all this? You know, where's totally. this? But we tie onto it, and part of this is, the big part is through movies and the whole fantasy of the Kung Fu world, right? Is that there's this mystical, mythical, spiritual side to it. And of course the tying in of, 
of Taoist and Buddhist uh, meditations and practices that has happened over the course of history. But um, I just don't like it's not it's almost like where you go to like I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to get baptized in three weeks and hey, now I'm saved. Right. Like, right. It's like, wait, what? Wait, yeah, wait. All, all those horrible things you did prior. <laughs> problems with that story. It doesn't quite calculate, sure. right? Not to me, anyway. So, yeah. Um, I, I don't like the, just like the concept of chi, the whole like spirituality part of, of martial arts. I get yeah. the fact that it, it helps some people and there is a state of Zen. I certainly experienced that myself, but sure. that's not necessarily a healthy thing either. That literally the best high that I get from martial arts practice that lasts the longest is uh, sparring, especially mm-hmm. with people that are better than me yeah. and, 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 and jujitsu because I just get steamrolled into the mat and I, <laughs> right. and I feel helpless. And it's, right. there's something weird about that like punishment that gives me great peace. That's not right. Right. Like that's, that's, that's bizarre therapy, right? You could call but, that masochism. <laughs> yeah. There's something wrong there. <laughs> but I recognize that. That's okay. So <clears throat> that's funny, man. No, well, that's. I mean, okay. So you and I both are Joe Rogan fans. He has talked about yeah. that routinely. How getting owned and just getting dismantled in the jujitsu yeah. context yeah. is fundamentally humbling. Yeah. And so when you're humbled, re- right. re- repeatedly over and over and over, yeah. and realize that was a mini death. If that was real, I would be dead. You know, I would. You know, right. he says there was that. There's that confrontation. He, and he says he thinks there's a chemical shift in the brain, just the way we click on Facebook. You know, we we see a comment and there's a dopamine release. Oh, sure. You, there's something that happens, I think, when you are put into these situations and then you come out of it and you're like, ah, there's an upliftment, I think, because you don't die, obviously, right? It's right. like you're all right. you're, you're all play fighting. No one's right. actually out to kill you. Right. Um, right. Well, I have to say this, man. So this is, I would, you know, when I when I got, I was in Santa Cruz, right? It's like the alternative medicine mecca you know and it's super uh-huh. new agey it's one of these hubs like sedona or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so there's a lot of a lot of crazy woo-woo shit and a lot of people are really what you would call shen disturbed right which is like the people are just yeah. fucking wafty so i was i mean i i would say i i was of the same mind and i still am so i, I i'll tell you this because so that guy master joe he was 80 80 or 81 at the time short little chinese dude um, he had gotten some notoriety for his qigong, and didn't speak, you know, didn't speak uh, English. Like I said, my housemate did. <clears throat> he was lived with us for two weeks, and he had people coming in, and he was he would sleep about four hours a night, ate very little, and would treat oh I don't know twelve people a day, and then would like at ten p.m. would like get us up from our grad program and was like time to tune bagua, and we would train from ten to twelve. And then he'd get up, he'd sleep from like 12 to 5. That was about his window. And for two weeks straight, I mean, the guy had, he was taking herbs, right? He didn't tell us what they were, but he had a ton of energy. So there was this one piece where I'm like, this old dude's got a fucking shitload of energy. So that was impressive. One morning, man, this is what like turned the tides. <clears throat> and I'm not saying, I, I have to like admit the fact that yes, this could have been staged. He could have, this could have been the most epic parlor trick that, and he just pulled the wool over our eyes, right? Like, I, I totally have to accept that. But he asked me, he said, <clears throat> he's like, so in Chinese, right? My buddy's translating. He's like, so, you know, Gray, you, uh, you study feng shui, right? And I'm like, yeah. 
and he's like, he's like, and you do, you do uh, shingi and some bagua, a little bit of tai chi. And I was like, yeah. He's like, so is your is your chi strong? And I was like, Pfft. I was like, I don't know. Like I, I knew, and he was mocking me, of course. Like he was like, so is yeah. it strong? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, do you have a compass? And I said, yeah, I have a compass. So he's like, go get your compass. So I go and get my compass, and we put it on my dining room table, which is the table I've had for 10, 15 years. Put my compass on the table. He's wearing a, a short sleeve silk shirt, bright yellow, like lemon yellow, right? Not yet, but yeah. He has um, <clears throat> no, no, uh, no watches on. He's barehanded, no rings. And he's like, okay, so he's like, your chi is strong. And he's saying this like with a smirk, of course. He's like, your chi is strong. I want you to move the compass needle. And I'm like, bro, I'm not going to move the compass needle. And he's like, just try. Like really, you know, try to like focus your intent and do it. So I'm like, all right, you know, so I, I you know, I do the Jedi trick. Of course, nothing happens. My buddy Kai is there. He's like, you try. My other buddy David, he's there. You try. My other buddy Paul, he's like, you try. So we're like, all right. So he looks at all of us and he's, you know, I don't know, his hand is a good two and a half feet from it, puts his hand up and just gives a little wave and the needle swings and we're like, whoa, whoa, wait, time. We're like, do it again. And he's like, puts his hand, waves it, right? Moves it again. And so we're like, all right, so like what's... (laughs) All right, so how are you doing that? And he's like, now you try. So I put my hand over it, right? And the needle moves. And I'm like, and then I I look at him and he's got his hand under the table, his other hand. And he's like, apparently moving the needle from under the table. So I'm like, so I'm like, wait a minute. So, so what's the deal? Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, and the guy's like, well, you know, he's like, He's like, if you study certain Qigongs long enough and you, and you get your, your intent to sink into the lower Dantian, he's like, over time, after about 20 years, sometimes you can move it out and you can, you can disrupt these subtle fields. He's like, but you can't move a person. You can't levitate things. You can't do anything. And I'm like... My telekinesis is limited to a compass. <laughs> totally, dude. So I was like... Because of the magnet that I have in my shoe or whatever he's doing. Well, that's, that's the question, right? So we were like, okay, so either this guy is carrying a magnet around in his hand or he's doing something or this guy has figured out some little fucking loophole in the Qigong system. But it was where all... I'm not putting my money. No, totally. Figuring dude. out a loophole, right? No, totally, <laughs> man. And that was the thing, right? It's like, so, and it, yeah. but it got all of us because we were like, God damn it. So like either this guy, it puts you into this really weird place, right? Is the guy totally just scamming or yeah. does he actually have some subtle thing? And it, like I said, we, I was left troubled, you know, so, right. because it's one right. of two things. Either the guy's full of shit or yeah. two, he's actually really got something. And does that, does it matter? Right. Does it matter? That, that, that's the biggest question that I would pose does immediately. Right. One, I would be like, guy, oh, you're full of shit. You're doing something. There's no way <laughs> that you have the ability to move a compass needle <laughs> that nobody else can do. And you can only limit it to that. <laughs> and two, it serves no function whatsoever. So it's a, it's one of, so I mean, I've seen so many Qigong parlor tricks, and okay. that's what they do, right? Like when you're when you're studying with a guy, they got charisma, they got personality, they're old and they're healthy. It's like there's all these really cool things. You're doing a totally. cool Qigong set, totally. and then they show you some parlor tricks, and everybody in the room gets wide eyed and like, "Whoa, this is so amazing!" And it's like, "Wait a minute, did that heal something? Did it hurt something? Did it have any function whatsoever? Or it's right. just a trick? Like you're better off just." being a magician and being able to do sleight of hand because that's all it is in a sense, right? It's some sort of sleight of hand. I've seen some pretty cool Qigong demos. So have I, man. You know, where you can palpate things that are not visible, yeah. but nothing that is functional ever. Nothing that it, nothing that can heal somebody 
or hurt somebody. Like it's just you know the, well, the yeah. This is this is like right. This is the area that like gets get that gets right, stuck right. into internal martial art training. People have got right. this thing, and that's it been to this day, man. That experience, like I said, has always stuck with me because I'm like, well, what is that? Where does that leave me? And is this? I mean, you know, like this is like this is the conflict with teaching this stuff. Is that? Yeah. I think that yeah. even if it was on that off chance a real thing, you're left with people who are coming to it from that from that realm and like you said the arch then you may have people that are that now that's their focal point that's they want I mean. to move a compass that's it's what like I mean. what like that's uh, what i mean oh yeah it's that's not, what i mean that's a really really bad thing and you see the same thing the same sort of thing with demos um like people will watch like a technique demo of of something and yep. most of them are so bad and it's because people don't know what to look for they're watching the guy doing the technique yep. right and of course, it's a demo, right? So the the person feeding the technique somewhat knows what's going to happen, or yeah. very often in Chinese martial arts, they're doing they're asked to do something as a feed that they're terrible at. Yeah. So it's very easy to make it look like like throw a jab and then they do some exorbitant technique off a jab, and it's like that one that was the worst jab of all time. <laughs> yeah. And and two, Not functional. Even, even, yeah, even <laughs> on a bad jab, none of that stuff would work. You know. No, there's no aliveness to the interaction. You see like one guy, the, the yeah. guy who's feeding moves and then freeze frames while the other guy does a bunch of stuff and then, you know, oh, takes totally. it. The guy. It's, it's silly. But we have that. It's like, it's like watching magic where we're, we're looking at the yes. wrong thing, you know, and, and then we misinterpret it in our brain and we think that it's something else. But it's a really dangerous thing because it, it, it uh, you know, lack of confidence in martial arts is one thing, but false confidence is is so much more dangerous and so so much worse and you see a lot of it in chinese martial arts there's, oh. there's a massive amount of it i mean well what's the, that what's that guy the mma the chinese mma guy who yeah i think there's a few of them now these yeah can beat all these people who think they have some sort of real skill or right. whatever and it's brutal you see it's, they're getting out there in their costumes and they think that they can really fight and it's it's brutal it's, it's criminal you know yeah like, it's brutal that, to watch. that they're even allowed in there like you should see, they should. The referee should watch some of those guys assume their fighting position and then just call the fight and be like, "Nope, nope, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna get knocked, knocked not, out in eight seconds. You're not he has equipped. no idea what he's doing. This is a bad, bad, bad idea, right?" Uh, but it's propagated for sure. It's out there. Oh, right? it is. I mean, I've watched those fights where it's like they've got the the guy, the Tai Chi silks against the MMA fighter who's just kind of bouncing and ready, and of course right. kicks the shit out of him within about you know usually the first round or within the first few minutes. It's like the guys on the ground bloody and you're like, Oh, like, I mean, like it is, it's kind of difficult to watch her. Like, cause this guy has it's really, yeah, yeah. He's been like building yeah. confidence in this thing right. that doesn't really have any merit. And I think right. that's the, that's the thing. This is the other piece, right? Like, It's all an art, right? We're all trying to find our way to like navigate this stuff. But there are so many people I know that are like, they don't want to, they want to study the martial movements, but they're not interested in fighting whatsoever. Right. They just, it's okay. I totally. Okay. Me, me too. Yeah. And I'm like, they have no interest, but I think then there's this also the pitfall. It's like, well, if you're not going to study the structural mechanics of what it requires for that, then they sometimes immediately default to this other group of just, you know, the esoteric mysticism. And then, and then that becomes the whole thing. And maybe that's, you know, maybe they really do get something out of it. I don't know. Like, I don't want to judge the people's process uh, in any way, but I, I do see it, right? It's just this like, well, I mean, it's, it's a weird time for this stuff, especially with the advent of all of the like mixed martial arts stuff, there's such efficacy, in, yeah. you know, in that scene. Right. 
So you, right. so there's a certain element of like what's real within these systems, um, yeah, and how yeah. Mu- how much has survived, right? That's the other piece. Well, like, it's a good it's a good analogy to make, or, or I guess more of a comparison, right? So you look at let's just we'll narrow it down to Xingyi because it's more of my area of expertise, right? Yep. Xingyi compared to MMA. MMA is actually really really old. Everything is MMA mm-hmm. in truth, right? It's yeah. all been synthesized, right? Yeah. But we'll look at we'll just say UFC, which is like what is it, twenty five years or something like yeah, that, in right? The early nineties, yeah. Okay, so the amount of progress that has been made in MMA in twenty five years is astounding. Oh. Those first guys, like if Hoist Gracie from twenty five years ago walked into the octagon with anybody. Now in that weight class, he would he would have big big problems. He would he would, I mean his jujitsu is absolutely world class, but he it, it would not work in the same way. He would have major major issues. Correct. It is so much better, and it continues to evolve and get better because essentially what you have is to quote Tim, you have a worldwide laboratory in effect all the time, and with the web and that happening, people are constantly getting better and evolving and changing the art, and it's. It's made unbelievable progress in 25 years as far as purely a functional fighting combat sport. It's, right. it's astounding how complex and how good it has gotten. Do you think- Xing Yi has gotten worse in the last, <laughs> yeah. literally, it's just gotten, especially in the last hundred years, it has gotten so much worse. Yeah. Um, there's a really cool, did you ever read, uh, do you check out some of the stuff Tom Bizio puts out? Yeah. Okay, so he, he had a couple of interviews from, uh, with Wang Shangjai, who was the Ichuan founder, from that's like the, the standing, that's standing, right? Ichuan uh, was the standing practices, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, but he was a he was a Xingyi. He did he did internal stuff, and then he ended up calling it Ichuan. Okay, he called it Da Chang Chuan, and it turned into Ichuan, right? Okay. Um, anyway, regardless, there's an interview from him from like 1940 that Tom put on his website. I think it's two parts, and it's really cool because you read it, and Wang Shangjai. And if you know the history of Yichuan, basically what he was doing is he was doing Qingyi, and I think he might have been doing Bagua or Taiji as well. And he started seeing around him that people were just practicing forms and like starting to input all this philosophy and Chinese medicine and all this stuff and, and infuse it into the martial arts. And in this one of these interviews, he's like, I don't get it. He's like, there's, you know, people do way too many forms now. They don't have a, the fighting function is being lost. He's, he even talked about the creative destructive cycle. He's like, that wasn't even around that long ago. People now they've they've injected the the whooshing into the five fifths of Xing Yi, mm-hmm. and now you have this creative destructive thing. He's like, that 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 wasn't a real thing just a little while ago. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to see that that long ago or eighty years ago, he was like, ah oh, man, the arts are starting to turn for the worse. That like this is not what this stuff is for. And then so he tried to streamline and simplify and be like, this is what you really need. You need to yeah. do some movements and stand and then you need to, to fight mm-hmm. um, now I don't think his art turned out necessarily based on the little that I know and have read obviously I've never met the guy or anything like that yeah. I don't think that art necessarily turned out that way but it's interesting to see that that's that's kind of what he was thinking way back then like looking at it and go oh man people are starting to go off on the wrong track and really what I think the reason for all that is is that the, the arts aren't tested. Those arts are not tested anymore. If yeah. they're, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It all matters how you're doing it, right? So in your Xingyi and Bagua and Taiji group, if they're not testing each other with sparring on the regular, then they really have no idea what they have. And honestly, if they're not sparring on the regular, they probably don't have anything because mm-hmm. you can't 
if if you can't pull it off in uh, and actually I like the word dueling cuz Tim told me that the the actual word that the Chinese use for sparring it translates to dueling and that sounds a lot cooler to me. That does so sound cooler. Not, yeah. It, it is. If you're not dueling on a regular basis, there's no way that you have any right. reality of what your what your functional uh, fighting ability is. That being said, I should clarify what sparring or dueling means because a lot of people think straight to full contact, re- going really hard, going really fast, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And that's not necessarily what I mean. What I mean is non-compliance. So push hands can is a method of sparring, right? If you're if you're playing full on push hands where both guys are trying to push or pull or depending on which version you're playing, that is a a, a basically a method of sparring. It's just handicapped. And so there's a really broad range and what mostly what you see is one range. People spar too hard, too fast, too frequently and they don't have all those little places in between. The low to medium range people should spar in that range I think all the time, no matter mm-hmm. what art Doing. That's why arts, combat sport arts are so superior when it comes to, to fighting skill because every single time in the gym or you know, on right. the mat, you spar every single time, you know? Right. So to me, it's just obvious that that's why it's that much better. Whereas otherwise, you've got people talking theoretically and people learning here's a hundred chin-ah techniques and guess how many of them work? Maybe six, maybe if you're lucky, six of them work. You know, you're right. gonna do all this stuff, and and then right. go go try it with a judoka or a BJJ guy and see how far you get. They're gonna grab you the whole time, you know. So if you've got, oh yeah, I can do all the stuff. These guys can grab me anyway, and I can do it. Yeah, you can do it when you're practicing with your compliant partner, who's gonna grab you on their left side with their right hand, and you've drilled that right. that thing a bunch of times. But what do you do when they let go and just regrip? You know, like it's, it's right. No, it's, it's. I mean, this is this is like you have to acid test. This, what, what you're doing if I you want to have any realistic uh, mindset about it. Yeah. I but agree. for people who just do this stuff and say, you know what, I'm not interested in, in fighting, what I do is say you should just do Qigong or, or go to yoga or Pilates or go do something else that's good for your health mm-hmm. but it's not designed for fighting. Right. Because you're never really going to get it. You're never truly – if you don't do the fighting parts of martial arts, you're not really going to get it. Now, if you want to do wushu for, for performance and, I mean, it's incredibly athletic. People could just do forms and yeah. and, and step onto those competition platforms and, and be very fit. And, mm-hmm. and you know, They're also not fighting. They're doing you know movie-style wushu, right, which is a beautiful and incredibly dynamic. And yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. The physical skills are, are beyond anything that I could ever even hope to have <laughs> yeah. without question. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't put too much money on them getting in the ring, you know? Yeah. So when you, so how do you conceptualize? Cause I mean, these are good, this is a good conversation to have cause it's a difficult one for a lot of people. And I'm sure there are people listening who are like, Oh man, this is hard to hear. You know, it's a real conversation about this, <laughs> but, um, but I agree because no, they just turn off and type in the comments. Like <laughs> right? I guess you suck. About. Yeah. I've seen so many guys who are knocking people over with chi. <laughs> right. Jared sucks. Yeah. Um, no, totally. I mean, that's, but I think that's the piece that I think is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good conversation to have because there's a, there is a reality check. I think uh, there's, there's a delusion that happens, right? I mean, I, I've yeah. fallen prey to it in my early 20s, and there were times when I, I saw stuff, and, you know, you, you just live and learn. But what do you, you think? Do, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the game, I think. Um, right. What do you think? So, you know, Qigong and internal martial arts, like, they're related, right? They obviously have some connection. How do you conceptualize the Qigong being 
therapeutically effective for the body, right? How do you yeah. like how do you equate qigong being good for the body um, when there isn't the fighting aspect? Like what separates the qigong? I, mean, I know qigong doesn't have it's not right. I mean, there's different kinds, but overall, sure. right, qigong is more geared towards health. Internal yeah. martial arts is more towards fighting. So how do right. you, where are they the same in terms of how they elicit health? Because I mean, internal martial arts are good for you, right? It's movement, it's good for yeah. the body, yeah. you're stretching stuff. Yeah. But where do they, like, where do they split in your mind where, like, what separates truly Qigong from the, you know, internal mm -hmm. martial arts? Yeah. So the way that I teach it and the way that I learned it, or, or I'm still learning it, is that uh, the way that I teach Qigong, it's purely breath, posture, and intent, mm. right? So you're learning movement patterns, you're learning to breathe with said patterns, and you're holding your body in a certain way and moving it in a certain way. There's no martial intent whatsoever. The crossover, the similarity that they have is in the structure of the body. That is congruent when I'm mm -hmm. teaching Qigong or when I'm teaching internal martial arts. Yeah. All the parts of that literal, you know, the alignment of your spine, your shoulders, your head, all those things, that doesn't change. And what that does is it optimizes things, right? If I sit here yeah. for the for our conversation, I let myself keep slouching and crunching, yeah, and my diaphragm's getting compressed, yeah. right? And you're, yeah. you're like obviously, you don't ever have to mention anything in TCM theory to talk about what's unhealthy about that. You can talk about from a a, a purely understandable um, Western health perspective of what's happening to your circulatory system and to your, you know, the, the functioning along your central nervous system and your, your spine and your heart and your lungs and, 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 and what aligning your body, uh, optimally and breathing well does for it. Right. It's pretty, it's a pretty simple thing Yeah. where the structure in internal martial arts is designed to optimize your connection with the ground and your base, your two feet on the ground and how your body deals with the effect of gravity, right? Because mm -hmm. we're constantly under this very strong force that's trying to push us into the ground. So right. we have to learn to utilize those, ting those two things to uh, make our body function in a martial way as, as well as possible. Mm -hmm. So the crossover is the body, like how we, sh how we shape it. And of course, breathing is very, very important, both yep. martially and medically. So there's crossover there too. But there's no, in the way that I practice or teach it and learn it, there's no martial intent whatsoever when you're doing mm -hmm. Qigong. It's purely focusing on maintaining your structure, coordinating your breath with the movement. And th those things unto themselves are more than enough for the mind to handle when you're in practice. Yeah. And in the martial realm, it's similar but different because now your focus is also, you're aligning your body a certain way to develop martial ability. Right. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Well, when you're doing martial arts, you know, and you're working with students, um, like you said, acid testing, right? There's mm. a certain amount of validity that comes out when you're doing martial application because you can test the structure, right? You're you're putting yourself into mock fighting situations, and you're finding discrepancies in structure, um, stability, right? Are you are you actually weighted appropriately, right? Um, yeah. So when you're working with people when you're qigong, right? When you're doing qigong, yeah. and that piece, right, the fighting uh -huh. piece is removed. How yeah. do you still translate the body mechanics when you're teaching students like that, like that integrity, you know, like when you're fighting, mm -hmm. you can like test mm -hmm. it. So yeah. with Qigong, like how do you test it? Are you just kind of like pushing on their body still? Like what do you do? You to can make still do that. You, is yeah. that, is that yeah, what you do? Some, yeah. Yeah, for sure. The posture testing is great. It really mm -hmm. helps. Um, 
one of the weird things about Qigong that I find is that lots of times when you go to posture test people, they collapse yeah. <laughs> on purpose. Like you tell them like, here, just stand. Like the most basic posture test that I do is to get people to stand up as straight as they can with their their hips under their shoulders and their knees under their hips and their feet under their knees. So you got two columns on both sides and then you just pull straight down. It's, you know, one Tim, the, the most basic one Tim has ever shown. Yeah. And you just pull one shoulder down toward the foot. And if they're stacked correctly, if you're pulling on my left shoulder straight down, aiming at my left foot, it pushes my left foot into the mat. Right. Right. Just, right. Or the floor, whatever I'm standing on. Yeah. Um, but it's weird with Qigong people sometimes. I'll be like, okay, stand this way, and then I'll go to push it, and they'll like cave under it like, oh. And it's like, no, I'm <laughs> trying to enforce your stability here. So, oh, my God. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's just a, a funny thing that I've noted that, that occurs. No, um, man. The st- but, yeah, posture testing in Qigong is absolutely okay. that's, there as well. That's yeah. good to know. No, and I, I bring that up, and I can fully relate. As of mm-hmm. recently, I went to a class just checking things out, right, just going to see yeah. stuff. I went to a class months ago uh, here in Sacramento, and it was the the whole group, right? They're doing, like they're you know they're having you like ward off or something, and they would they would apply pressure you know to the hand, and everyone is like stumbling back from this simple pressure from the arm, and I was like, why is everyone's why is everyone shuffle stepping and stumbling from you know like an ounce of pressure on the wrist, and it was it right away that the discourse goes into well well oh it's just because I'm I'm feeling you know the, the chi coming out of the other person, and mm-hmm. I would and I remember saying like. Even if that's true, even if you can feel it, do you really feel the need to disintegrate your posture? Can't you just feel it and maintain structure? You know, like yeah. <laughs> feel the pressure. But I think that there's that. It's the same thing, right? Then we get into this. This it's this realm of the Jedi, the Jedi tricks, right? The Jedi right, right. thing. And, and the, just, the horrible thing, like you were saying about Santa Cruz, I, I assume that Santa Cruz. I mean, I know we're like I've never been to Santa Cruz, but I'm like Los Gatos. There's a lot of money there, right? So is there a oh. lot of money in Santa Cruz too? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So. The, the the another layer that's so infuriating is that it's such it's such easy pickings when you've got people that are lofty and not grounded and and maybe a little bit flaky and they've got a lot of money because you can if you're charismatic at all and you're smart at all and you you can play these people right so there's people that are out there teaching qigong and doing you know, mar- internal martial arts and Qigong, and they're making a ton of money being snake oil salesmen and, and completely devaluing the real quality parts of the art that, that they have to offer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just crappy, you know, for those of us who, who, who look at it and go, you know, it can say, yeah, I don't want to be judgmental, but I do want to be judgmental in those situations because yeah. they're not doing the right thing. You know, what they're doing is, is actually wrong, and they're, they're taking advantage of people. Yeah, They're devaluing a, a, something that actually has quality to it they probably don't even know it themselves and it just makes it worse for the people that are trying to do it to the best of their ability well that's that's a that's a real phenomenon what you just touched on right there is that people who have no i would say have zero exposure to a traditional method you know something that has like the you know whatever it is for the system you know holding the horse stance building the building the structure getting the bones stacked all of that stuff they have no framework, so all they ever came into was the, you know, this kind of the, what you would call the, the new age spiritualized version, yeah. and they're and it has helped them for whatever reason, you know, it moves their emotions or whatever, but then that's all they've known. So I think yeah. they don't even know that they're fully, you, you know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah, everyone comes into it so so differently. So it's just a it's a weird thing to, yeah, it's a, it's weird terrain to navigate, man. It's very it's very I know. it's very strange. Um, right. Well, let me, um, to kind of orient 
you know, the, the listeners a little bit here. When we're, can you give um, just, you know, in your estimation, when we look at uh, the Chinese martial arts, you know, when they, uh, looking back, you know, like if you look at the, the China, in China, the method was, right, you study Xingyi for a period of time. When you become sufficient, you know, or grounded in that, you would go to Bagua and then eventually like Tai Chi was kind of like the last thing that you would do, but they would integrate in that order. It was pretty consistent, Xingyi, Bagua, Tai Chi. And I've seen that in a number of different books, um, different yeah. practitioners, they've talked about this. Can you talk about um, that progression, at least in the in the sure. in the Chinese context, why they did it that way, and then like you know what what each one kind of uh, the strength of each one in theory was? Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, yeah, this is all just my theory yeah. and yeah. opinion. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. So it's just I think. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Xing Yi is probably the easiest uh, to get martial function. The fa- mm-hmm. I should say the fastest to yeah. get martial function, right? Yeah. Um, it's the most percussive of the three arts, right? It's got the most actual striking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it teaches you the structure that you need for all three. And, of course, they all do that. Yep. Uh, but Bagua is a lot more complex. Um, it, it's so uh, – they're all principally based, but, but you know, um, I, think, I think it's a lot harder for people to – they can intellectually get the concepts of Bagua, but being able to put it into play is a lot more challenging. You kind of need a, a a framework, and you need a you need to start with a fight IQ is what I is what I think. Mm. I mean, if you read everything about Dong Hai Chuan, yeah, uh, the founder and what he was teaching, and and you know he had three or four pretty big name students, um, and and several others, you know, but he was teaching he would teach everybody differently. It was totally principally based, right? And mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff you read, it's like, oh, he really only taught a couple things. He would teach single palm change and double palm change and maybe like a third. And then you look at Bagua curriculums now and it's they're massive, right? They've mm-hmm. they've, they've got large quantities of material. Yep. Um so I think it's just a little bit more difficult or or more time consuming to get to really get functional ability and understanding in Bagua than it is in Xingyi. Mm-hmm. And then um, I don't really know with Taiji. I just, I just don't have enough. My personal skill and ability is just not there. You know, yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of Taiji over the years, but I don't think it's been very, my practice has been very good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but my suspicion is that because Taiji is so sensitivity based mm-hmm. that if you, if you already have those two um, methods working in your favor, that, Basically, you're you're looking for a level of refinement with Tai Chi, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the 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 ability to to constantly yield and stick and adhere and all of those things mm-hmm. is it is just a lot easier. Again, it's a shorter path if you've got those other things instilled that Xingyi and, and Bagua do. Xingyi is super linear, right? It's all it's about straight lines, yeah. Yeah, straight straight lines, and there's angles in it, of course, too. Yep. But yep. you know, basically, you're trying to move your center mass through your partner or your opponent's center mass at right. areas of weakness you maintain your structure you break their structure and then you move through it at that point mm-hmm. bagua is just about rotation you're either the center of the circle and things are you're trying to rotate things around you or you're trying to rotate around something else yeah so you've got horizontal force vertical force and oblique force right that you're trying to learn how to generate and, and move right with. and then i think tai chi is mostly about the sensitivity part right you mm-hmm. you push I, I pull and 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 you know there's, there's a lot more slick stuff in there involved too but Again, I can't speak too much about Tai Chi because I just don't, I don't know if I have it. No, fair um, enough. That's, that's a good answer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair yeah. enough. Um, and yeah. then if, for people that are, you know, listening that are, that are not, um, what you would say, not well-versed in Chinese martial arts, they're coming in, some of what they, they've heard, they're like, oh, I would like to potentially study maybe some of this stuff. 
um, if you were to give, you know, sort of a checklist for people and saying, okay, like, if you're going to go out and look for a teacher, right, or you're going to look for a, a method or a school, you know, to, to your estimation, what would be the kind of the baseline checklist that you would say, like, here's what I would look for, you know, the things that, yeah. are, that are going to ensure, mm. because I think mm-hmm. that baseline is missing for a lot of people, yeah. especially yeah. when people don't know anything about this stuff. They come in yeah. and they're like, well, this is what it is. And, and there's no frame of mm-hmm. reference outside of it. You know, there's nothing else yeah. to plug into. So what would you what would you say to that? It's a really good question. It's a really, really good thing to think about, and I think it is missing. It's not just in martial arts. It's it's a it's in a lot of a lot of different methods or things people study, right? Yeah. Um, and I personally, I really enjoy being a student. I like starting things new and different and similar things, you know. So yeah, which is why I like, you know, I mean, if I had the resources, the time, the energy, and the money, I would be doing BJJ as many times a week as I could. I'd be going to my coaches. Uh, kickboxing class, yeah. Muay Thai class. You know, I'd be doing a lot of stuff. Sure. So, what I think is important for people to think about and look for, and what I look for is, uh, so what is the coach like? What, what is not not their their ability? Their personal ability is is important, but it's not. It's just one of the things. Mm-hmm. What is their personality like? You know, and do I want to absorb any of that? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, you're probably going to if you spend any time with them. So are they going to uh, bring you up as a person, keep you the same, or bring you down? And one of the three you don't want, for sure. The other two are, the other one is fine, and one is great, right? Yeah, right. And I would apply the same concept to the class. I, I, I like to look at a group class and see, what, it, what are these people like? Do I feel mm. connected to them? Do I feel like um, I would be want to be around them on, on a frequent basis? Because, again, you're going to have some exchange going on right so are you uh, um you know like obviously in the internal martial arts clubs and and schools and classes there's a lot of people like we talk about that aren't very grounded you know and 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 some some stuff that that uh, i've spent a lot of time around a lot of people like that and it's not something i really want to invest in anymore it's it's not good for me and and their journey is their own thing right so Right, right um you know, you can go to a lot of boxing gyms and you're going to walk in and be like, whoa, this is not my scene either. You know, there's yeah. a bunch of people that are that are working through some stuff by beating each other's heads in. And that's not my interest either. You know, so finding finding groups and, and clubs where you feel at home, you feel like this is a good group of people They're They mean well, they're they're doing good things they are doing it collectively. There's not a strong sense of ego. There's not, uh, you know, crazy patriarchy going on. There's not uh you know, any, any of the pitfalls that you see in group settings, you know, yeah. um, and, and staying away from that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, those, those things I think are, are, are really important. And then ultimately, if we're just talking about martial arts, um, I think it's really important for people to understand why they're doing what they're doing. You know, people get into it for all different reasons. We all start for different reasons. Sometimes you don't even know why you start. Maybe you start because you just need a new workout. You need yeah. a new outlet. You need a new thing but pretty quickly into getting into it people should be able to like have some goals identify why they're doing what they're doing and make sure that it's all right fit you know that Mm -hmm. they're doing the right because i mean for years and years i would i would follow the path that that i was sort of shown where you try to get people to do internal martial arts because it's so good for you yeah and in in more recent years what i realized is that there's anything can be good for you or not good for you physical practices 
what people should do is find something they love. Find something that's not work that you're not thinking, oh man, it's you know, it's five after five. I still got to get to the gym. I got to get my lift in before I get home. Right. You know, the stress and the pressure. It should be more like, oh man, I can't wait to go do my thing. Yeah. And move my body in a way that's going to be really rich for me. You know, because mm-hmm. there's a million ways to exercise and, and get movement in. So people really should find things. I think that they identify with really well. Yeah. Um, that can connects to them and not just doing something because somebody told them to or because you know they 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 think it's what they need to do because lots of times you get into we get into you know these traps or these these patterns where we're we're doing something because we think that that's what we need to be doing and we're not really investigating and really talking to ourselves and, and staying connected to who we are and what we want and and can end up spending a lot of time not wasted but just just uh it's not as efficient, maybe. Yeah, yeah it's not sus- not sustainable because that first point that you touched on, right? Talking about, um, you know, the relationship that you have, seeing what kind of person the the teacher is, right? Yeah, that yeah. that baseline. I mean, I've seen. I mean, that in in a weird sense, right? Like you said, the skill is really important, but but the but that relationship. Yeah. I mean, that's the longevity. That's the lifeline in the long in the long run. Because I've seen. I mean, I know. Lots of people, I mean, myself included, disconnected from teachers as a result of that relationship not being sound. You know, that it's fundamentally, it's almost like it's at a certain point, the character of the teacher starts to erode where you're just like, I just, because proximity is power, you know, there's a certain yeah. amount of that where it's like, I just can't, yeah. I can't palette this anymore. You right. Know, the personal habits right. and the personal taste of how they're you know doing stuff is just like oh and then it starts to become then it's like i mean i i hit that 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 wall very real with internal arts when you said you're like i i I think it's almost time for me to stop and just do something else yeah i I mean i hit that wall about in 2012 um and i remember just being like maybe i should maybe i should bounce you know maybe this is just like my time to to shift and then it was I, what I realized was I I think like you maybe there was just that element of I had to be exposed to a teacher again whose personal uh, style you know at a personality level mm. I resonated mm-hmm. more with uh, and and yeah. of course they gotta have skill right that's the other piece that's like right. that, that first one is like a huge bonus but I mean I'm uh, that's huge I mean I think you're so yeah. right because my yeah. my first instructor when I studied Cook Sul which is a Korean kind of what they call internal external style. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I still, he's still like, I love that guy. I mean, I've still, we, we vibe so uh-huh. well at the personal level. And I look back, I'm like, God, that was really what kept me there too. His skill was amazing for sure. But it was just, you know, that personal piece. I think that's a really good thing to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. no, that's awesome. And then, you know, another thing I'd add too, that goes along with it in specifically for traditional martial arts. And I think this probably holds true for a lot of Japanese, traditional Japanese martial arts as well, mm-hmm. is that, uh, uh, beware of the the patriarchal groups. Uh, the you know where anytime that there's there's a figurehead or, or somebody at the top that's that's you know kind of regarded as a whatever you know whether whether it's something more than just a martial arts coach you know yeah. and if they're yeah. propagating that and their students are propagating that that's that's something that should be investigated thoroughly because. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's 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 a it's another thing that that there's been a lot of misuse and abuse in particularly in this in the states and in recent years, you know, these arts coming over from Asia where we get really it, it it's 
because it's a culture that we look at and it's like, well, this is really cool. It's something that, you know, we don't feel the sense of culture, yeah. history and in, in ourselves that we might want to kind of jump on that. And, right. and, uh, being, being aware of, of things like that is, is, uh, also really, really, really good because it's good to be aware of because those are things that, um, they, they can be really pervasive and, and people can get involved and, and, uh, just it's just not the best way to go about the practices right it's because that's all it is it's just you're, you're just learning yeah. martial arts like you, you could learn anything from from anybody people have all different skills and stuff and yeah certainly being a martial arts instructor does not make you in any way shape or form spiritual guide or a, a you know even right. an adept of any any sort you know and, right. and and it happens happens in the yoga community i mean you oh, see yeah. it right across the board it's oh, like yeah. Anything that's Indian or Asian or something like that, you bring it over here, and it's like there's this this whole thing gets attached to it, and and that's yeah, an, absolutely something that should should remove over the next few generations if possible, and not propagating. Well, yeah, and it seems like there's a, there's that trend right of just taking people off the pedestal. I think there's that um, yeah there needs to be that realization that people are there's an equality in terms of the human experience. Like, like we all have our shit. We're all yeah. <laughs> like they have things that we're right. we're going to be battling. And that needs to be kept at the forefront. I mean, look at what's yeah. what's the guy's name? The uh, uh, the hot yoga guy, Bikram, right? Bikram okay. Chowdhury. Like, I mean, that guy. I mean, look at it. I and mean, it's like that. This is a prime example, right? The guy's held on a. I mean, and he also held himself on a you know pedestal, something fierce. But I mean, that guy has been. I don't even think he's allowed back in the states. You know, I mean, I think he's. Oh, right. He's right. like he's cut because of. Right. You know personal choices and what he's done. Um, but I think it's the same thing. People holding that, that person that, like you said, the figurehead on the, on the pedestal, it mm-hmm. gets, it bridges into the cult territory, you know, like, right. the, I mean, right. I've, I've seen the Scientology documentaries. I know <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. it's very for real. Sure. It's very real. Very real for sure. Yeah. Well, Jared, what else, is there anything else, man, that, um, God, that, that you would want to, you know, share with the audience here, um, in terms of God, I don't know, just the whole martial arts scene, Qigong health, is there anything else that we missed that like you feel we could touch on? Because if not, I feel like we're at a, we're at a good spot. I mean, we touched on, yeah, on quite yeah. a bit. But if there's yeah. any last parting words or anything else you'd want to share, you know, I'm open to hear it because you got it. You got you know you've got quite the skill set and you're you're good at what you do. So I'm oh, I'm all I'm ours. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. I, I you know I, I obviously came to this just thinking we were going to have a chat, and that's pretty much what we've done. And I, I yeah. don't have anything. Uh, uh, for some reason, uh, this guy's popping in my head. Do you know who Jeff Thompson is? No, I don't. Okay, Jeff with a G, G-E-O-F-F, Thompson. Okay. He's a British guy. He's uh, totally off the scene right now. I think he's doing some more personal work, but he is one of my favorite, um, I guess, favorite people in recent years as far as someone who has mentored. Like, you know, you have you have – you get mentors that you never even meet, right? You read stuff yep. by them and, yep. and then they make a big change. Well, Jeff did that for me. He's really, really cool. So mm. I would check him out. He's got a bunch of books. Um, and, and the first thing I would recommend is be to go on YouTube and look up, um, just search Jeff Thompson and London Real, uh, which is a podcast. It's probably still in existence. I don't listen to it, but it's... Oh, yeah. When London. they first started out, it was like this. They were like sitting in their kitchen. And, uh, oh, and, cool. And there's a, this Nick Gregoriatis guy who's a BJJ guy who actually lives in Tucson now. Um, and this other guy, I think was a student of his in London. But anyway, they interviewed Jeff Thompson, and it was he's he's a very, very, very cool guy. What I what I like about him is he's an alchemist. He's He went from basically being a thug criminal 
uh, bouncer who was a martial artist and was, you know, basically professionally beating people up for for years, and yeah. then and then went on to sp- actually had change and became a spiritual person, and he's a pretty amazing guy. So I would check him out for yeah. those that are martial artists and are and are interested, yeah, and kind of kind of. Uh, a different perspective on what we were talking about with the, the the fact that martial arts are not necessarily spiritual. But here's a person who's done martial arts his whole life and is he's definitely a very uh, spiritually uh, driven person, and and also just a great story, really really cool. So so I would I, I would say check him out and get some some further guidance there. And you know, um, people in the internal martial arts community get everything you can by Tim Cartmel. Yeah, I agree. I second that fully. Yeah, he's he's he is uh, the guy for for my, my interests and goals and needs. Um, he's amazing, and he's and he's funny. Is, he's funny, and he's yeah, down to earth, yeah, and he's got a right. like he's got a good heart, and he's uh, right. doesn't have a big ego. He's he's great. Right. Yeah, yeah he's absolutely. solid. Well, Jared, yeah. where can um, if my you know my people here want to find you? Um, uh-huh. You know, like what's your what's your website? Where, where's what's some of the information that if people want to track you down and you know. I have an all. I have a at the at the present moment. I have a terrible website. It's called descendingdragon.com. Right. Um, tech tech is not my thing. Um, <laughs> social media don't bother. Um, uh, I think maybe one day in the next year I might be on. I might have descending dragon have an Instagram page. I might have some stuff going up there. But descendingdragon.com. Shoot me an email if you if you need to for anything or give me a call and if I can help in any way I will. Um, but that website's getting overhauled too. It's, it's, yeah. it's not my favorite. Fair enough, man. Well, dude, thank you yeah. so much for your time and for the the knowledge and the the download of everything you've got. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a pleasure having you. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. It's always good to see you and talk to you too. I look yeah. forward to more. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Take okay. care. You bet. You too.